Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Thursday, July 8th. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to tackle a topic that we have tackled several times here at the podcast that kind of makes some of you a little bit edgy and a little bit nervous, which is why I'm going to do it again. Liza Grevy is on the show with me today, and we're going to talk about vaccinations. And I'm going to back up my claim that where there is a risk, there must be a choice. Today, we're going to be talking about vaccinations. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. By now, you've heard that I'm running for Congress to replace Jamie Herrera Butler, representing Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a business owner. I'm an author and a speaker, and I've lived in this district for a very long time. And I am asking you for the honor to represent you in the House of Representatives. We've got some huge deadlines coming up for fundraising. We need to take this country back. We were once the party of ideas, you guys, but we have devolved into a cult of personality, and we have lost our way. I want to bring common sense back to the floor of the House of Representatives. Now is the time for a new generation of conservative leaders to stand up, and I am here to stand in the gap for Washington State. For more information, go to HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. You can sign up to volunteer, get on our prayer team, and support this run financially. This ad was paid for by friends of Heidi St. John for Congress. So thanks for tuning in today, you guys. A couple of things before I get started. Wanted to remind you that I'm going to be heading to Calvary Chapel, Chattanooga this weekend. I will be there on the 10th and the 11th. So I'm really excited to meet you. I know a bunch of you have been asking when that's happening. If you want more information, you can go to Calvary Chapel, Chattanooga's website or you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. I would love to see you. We're going to be talking about courage and my strong conviction that the real pandemic in this nation has not been and continues not to be a virus at the 99.89% survival rate. The real pandemic is a crisis of courage. And it's going to take courage to stand in the culture right now. It's going to take courage to stand for what you know is right, to stand against illogical and unconstitutional and really unconscionable mandates that we are seeing now coming from states, mostly blue states like mine here in Washington state. And I'm excited today to have Liza Grevy on the show with me. I was introduced to her, obviously, from uh, Melissa Crabtree, who's very big into the fight for freedom in Oklahoma with the Enid Freedom Fighters. And I've been learning more and more about what's happening in the state of Oklahoma and really the warriors that God is building up and sending to the front lines of this struggle. Liza is the director right now, currently the executive director of Oklahomans for Health and Parental Rights Political Action Committee. That is a mouthful. And foundation, the largest health freedom organization in the state of Oklahoma. And I'm excited to have her here. She is a mother of seven and been married for 20 years to her wonderful husband, Bob. And we're going to have a great conversation, you guys. I hope you're ready to take notes. Liza, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad that you took the time because I am also a mother of seven and I know how busy you are. So thank you for taking the time. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm excited. So you and I, just before we started recording, you and I were talking a little bit about why you would get into this fight because this is a nasty fight now. And it's turning out to be a political hot button, you know, never in my 
in my ever, you know, my live long days, like I told you, my audience is familiar, but I'll say it again, just for the new people here. I'm also a mother of seven. My oldest daughter is almost 30. Our youngest daughter is 10 and all seven of our kids were vaccinated. My mother was in medicine. I grew up working at doctor's offices in the Portland metropolitan area. And we never questioned the safety or the efficacy of vaccines. We just kind of did what we were told. And, and, and I never had a child with a vaccine injury, so I never had reason to question it. But as my children got older and I started hearing stories from other parents who were having issues with the vaccine, it occurred to me that my attitude toward medicine might be wrong and that I was viewing them like the fire department, you know, that if my house is on fire, I call the fire department. I don't question them. They come out, they help me. This is how I saw the medical community. And frankly, Father Fauci has done more, I think, to advance the anti-vax movement. He's, he should be the spokesperson, actually, for you guys, Liza, uh, I think, than, you know, than anybody could have ever anticipated. But you're at the forefront of this thing. So tell let's so introduce yourself to this audience and tell us a little bit about your history and your family and why you got involved in the fight for medical freedom. Well, absolutely. So I was not a questioner either. Uh, my husband has his PhD and I have my master's degree in counseling. And, uh, you know, we researched everything with our first child, car seats, cribs, but we never researched vaccines. I'm an army brat and, uh, you know, we traveled all over the world and I always, you know, got all the vaccines and did mission trips, got all the vaccines and never, you know, had any reason. I honestly, in my mind, I thought vaccines were, you know, the attenuated virus or bacteria and saline. I never realized that they were, could be more than that. I never researched. And so when our son was born, you know, we obviously did every uh, vaccine that was uh, suggested, but I'll tell you something that happened that I look back every day before that appointment, even sometimes 24 hours before that appointment, I would get this feeling in my stomach, almost anxiety about the appointment. So much so that my husband literally had to take off work to drive me to that pediatric appointment because I just, I just couldn't go. Um, and of course now looking back, I see that was my mommy gut saying, whoa, hold up. And of course I did, you know, I'm wanting to protect my son and keep those appointments. And, you know, we did them right on time every time. So when we started noticing changes in him, obviously that was 18 years ago in the we know we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have anything like that, but we did have these Yahoo groups. And I found that my story was, it was not anything that was rare. There was a lot of parents, mothers that were seeing the same things. And so once we started doing the research and we stopped and started implementing some of the diets and some of the things that other parents had seen that had helped their children, because it was a process of detoxification that had to take place, we noticed, noticed some positive changes. And I was on board like, whoa, I need to start questioning things now. I need to start asking more questions and not just going with the flow and listening to my gut, you know, so that, and I was already had my second child at that point. So with him, we definitely really looked at each vaccine, weighed the risk and the benefit and switched pediatricians and found a pediatrician that, you know, was on board with us. So that was kind of my eye-opening wake-up experience that started me on this journey. 
Well, I think, you know, your story is not unusual because a lot of us had that kind of check in our spirit, you know, this sort of like, oh, why do I feel yucky about this? You know, why is it bothering me? You know, the the small sight reactions that, you know, the kids would have or whatever, but you guys experienced something really major. And I, I appreciate so much that you're, because you're talking to a lot of parents right now who are considering whether or not they're going to uh, go the vaccine route. And how, you know, my mom actually told me, interestingly enough, my mom witnessed, we used to help the Slavic community and we were helping Romanian families immigrate to the United States. It was one of the joys of my life as I was growing up. And my mom witnessed one of their daughters, who I think was 12 at the time, receive a vaccine and and, uh, have a vaccine injury. She became almost catatonic after uh, after her vaccine, this vibrant young girl. And my mom said to me, she said, Heidi, you need to don't do all the shots at once. She said, just, she said, it because if, if your kids have a reaction and you've just given them, you know, 13 different things, well, not 13, I'm exaggerating, but if you've just given them four different vaccines, you're not going to know which one your child is reacting to. And so I took my mom's advice and even when my my daughter, who's now almost 30, when she was getting her vaccines, we did a very, very slow and measured schedule. And so I never had them give her the multiple shots to her. I was the girl who was like, nope, sorry, not going to do that one. I'm going to do this one. But it was because my mom had witnessed a vaccine injury firsthand. Now, she didn't scare me from getting the vaccines. She just said, bad things can happen. And so don't let them give you a whole bunch of vaccines at once. They're going to pressure you. Don't let them do it. And just like you, I also switched pediatricians because the pediatricians and the nurses, they can make you feel like garbage when you're in there just for questioning things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize. One of the most eye-opening talking points we use with legislators at our state capitol is we show them a, a graphic of the vaccines that were given in the 1960s, which is like two or three, to the 1980s, which is like seven, to the vaccines that are given now, which is if you if you gave your child every single vaccine from birth to 18 years old, including every annual flu shot, that would be 72 doses and actually add one for the COVID-19 vaccine. So that would be 73 doses versus the prior generations that only had a handful. And so that's something that I didn't realize. I also didn't realize that many of the vaccines like the MMR, the DTaP are combo shots. So even if you tell your doctor, hey, I only want to do one quote injection, it's actually three shots in one because they stop making the single doses of the measles, mumps, or rubella or the pertussis. And so they've really limited the options Um, And it's really even difficult to get like one true single vaccine at at an appointment anymore because of these combo shots. So parents just need to be aware of all of the changes that have been made over the generations. And the vaccines that our grandparents got are not the same vaccines that, you know, that we're getting or giving our children. So um, it's just about education, awareness and questioning, I believe. Well, and I kind of want to camp out on something that you just said. You know, you said that the shots that our kids are getting today are not the shots that uh, the, that our grandkids or that our grandparents got. What's the difference? Well, 
a lot of it is just that they didn't have some of these shots. Like I said before, like the MMR is a triple dose shot. And sometimes they even combine it with the uh, chicken pox. So that's four shots in one where our grandparents got, you know, a single measles vaccine. And if your grandparents are older, they didn't get a measles shot at all. They got the actual natural uh, immunity from the actual measles parties and chicken pox parties that were, you know, a thing of the, of that era. So, um, Hey, I did that. My mom sent me to a chicken pox party. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And, and I got the chicken pox. <laughs> I got the chicken pox, but, but that also gave me immunity. Uh, wait for it for, for a life, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so now we can be around someone with chicken pox and, and not get it. And the problem with a lot of the vaccines that are given to our kids now, parents also don't realize is that immunity can wear off and it varies by the vaccine. So thinking that they're immune to li- uh, for life is really is, is not true. And sometimes if that immunity wears off, like saying college or as an adult, it can be more dangerous to get that vaccine. So they really just need to weigh the risk and the benefits of everything. And, um, once you do that and you feel like you've made that decision and you have the peace, then, you know, ultimately that's your choice. Right. And that's the crux of the issue. The crux of the issue is that we are seeing really an outbreak in legislation. You know, people keep talking about what's going on with the virus. I think the real virus is in our houses of legislation and the state legislators uh, who have, you know, bought really into this lie in the medical community that parents should not have the choice or that or that doctors always know better than parents, which is wrong. It's wrong. It's a hundred different kinds of wrong. And you and I were talking about this a few minutes ago and you said that six years ago, Oklahoma started threatening and saying that vaccines would uh, were going to be mandatory, that you were no longer going to have the option to opt out. Now, this is happening in blue states all across the country. But instead of uh, getting mad and, and just being mad, you actually got active and you got off the bench. Tell us about that. So, yeah, this proposal was made by a Republican senator. Um, he was a medical doctor. And when he came into the Senate, he mentioned that he wanted to tighten up vaccine law, which in Oklahoma um, exists for public schools. So we don't have any kind of vaccine law for infants or toddlers unless you go to a daycare. And we've for 50 years, we've had religious, personal and medical exemptions. Well, he wanted to tighten up the exemptions on the personal and the religious. And so when that proposal was made, whoa, it stirred up this free freedom loving state. And, you know, parents like myself that already had vaccine injured kids, you know, homeschooling parents, just all parents in general just came together. And that's when we formed the political action committee and started showing up at the Capitol. Every time he ran a bill, we were there in committee. Um, I think over his tenure, we killed probably three or four bills. They never made it past the Senate to the opposite chamber. They always got locked up in the Senate, which is good. And we decided once we started a PAC, we weren't just going to fight him. We were actually going to run our own bills. So the first year that we were a PAC, we ran a bill that would give parents the ingredients to the vaccines prior to vaccination. So it was going to be a requirement that the pediatricians give that. Well, it passed unanimously through the House and the Senate. But once it got to the the governor's desk, who was the governor, Mary Fallon, at the time, that's when the medical community just really started 
you know, lobbying her and scared her to the point saying that vaccination rates were going to drop and she needed to veto it. And sure enough, she did veto it. So that bill was never signed into law, but it really started a agenda at our state capitol where vaccines were becoming a hot topic where before they really weren't, you know, much of an issue. Well, and I think it's interesting to note, you know, we're we're seeing uh, this happened. I mean, it's an issue everywhere now, right? Thanks to the Rona. And they're they're shedding a whole new light on it. And one of the things that you wrote about, and I'll link back to it, you wrote a fantastic article in the New American, and I'll, uh, I want to link back to it in the show notes today. But they're scaring people and they're talking about herd immunity, right? And you wrote that the claims made about the efficacy of the vaccines and the dangers that are supposedly spawned by unvaccinated children are grossly inaccurate. And this is what is being used to scare. Uh, I don't know if you saw there's a, a mayor in a, a little town in Southern California who basically went on a rant the other day and and demanded that no one be allowed to come into the city the city offices including the police unless they could prove they're vaccinated because he was saying listen you could you know you could kill somebody you know you I'm sorry but you can't walk around with a virus that could potentially kill someone you need to be immunized and that's supposedly going to that's going to do it and you you disagree you say that vaccine based herd immunity is largely a myth Well, I think that it's certainly, like I mentioned before, vaccines do wear off over time. So if we look at our population of adults over, which is, you know, over 50% of the population, how many of us still have immunity to the measles? I know when my first child was born and they tested me, I didn't have immunity to rubella, but I had been vaccinated for it. So I think we live in this uh, bubble thinking that just because you've had a vaccine, that means you're immune. And, you know, that's not the reality. So we're attacking kids. We're trying to put all of the pressure and all of the, the onus on children when half of our population and mostly all adults still, you know, don't even have immunity to certain diseases, but we're doing okay. I think, uh, you know, we have to remember that vaccinations and illnesses were already going in a downward spike because of things like sanitation, refrigeration, uh, vitamins. A lot of the, the illnesses and the deaths from measles were already going down by the time the measles vaccine even hit the market. And, you know, there's a lot of factors involved with, you know, the death rate plummeting. So I think when we just focus on one thing, it's more of propaganda and an agenda. I think a lot of times by the medical community, the industry versus just looking at common sense practices. I mean, you know, we don't keep animals in our homes anymore like they used to back in the day and walking through horse manure. And, you know, once, once we started hitting the uh, industrial revolution and refrigeration and cars and different things came into play, a lot of illnesses went down naturally, but we never talk about that. We only talk about the vaccines. And I think that is, uh, that's misguided. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder, you know, about the agenda. Uh, and I'm, I am starting to believe more and more. Uh, and my mom and I have these conversations a lot, you know, because of her history and in medicine and her love for it, really. But we're starting to see a very dark agenda that is being forced on the American people and really forced on the people around the world, which is forced vaccinations for all, beginning with our kids. And what we see in tandem with it, because you can't have one without the other, is increased government power over the people. 
And when you say propaganda, you're not messing around. I want to come back tomorrow and talk about that because we're seeing the propaganda everywhere, right? We're seeing it on, uh, we're seeing it from the White House. We're seeing it from McDonald's now. All these places, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts and all these places who are just like, get your vaccine and have a free donut. Oh, because that's healthy, right? Because because that's that's how we want to live our life. This is a, a fascinating conversation and uh, I so appreciate having it with you. Would you be willing to come back tomorrow? I want to uh, kind of pick up where we left off and start with kind of where we're going to go from here in light of COVID-19. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you so much. You guys, for more information on uh, Liza Grevy and what she's doing, I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. I'm going to encourage you like I always do, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. If this stuff is bothering you, stop sitting at home on your couch and opining about it and see what kind of organizations you can get involved with. Do your own research. Do your own research. It's time for the American people to start thinking for themselves and stop allowing the, the rhetoric to determine the decisions that we make regarding the health of our families. I appreciate you guys listening. It's been an absolute joy to have you. As always, please leave a review for the show over at iTunes. If you guys have questions about this podcast or a podcast that we've done recently that you would like addressed, the way to do that is to go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. Also want to remind you, we are at the beginning of a brand new Bible study over at MomStrong International. We're studying beautiful lies, how to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Thanks for listening to everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow for part two of my interview with Liza Grevy here at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.